Well, to the class of 2018, you guys have had quite a ride. Let's consider a few facts from the years that you made your debut. And many of you, that was the year 2000. First, the year 2000 began with with a scare. People were terrified. The Y2K computer bug was going to mean the end of the world. You remember there were there were people who were prepping for the end of the world, and and uh, and this is obvious, I guess. But the world didn't end. But some good things did happen in the year 2000, like your birth. And uh, when you think back to 2000, top movies were How the Grinch Stole Christmas, um, Cast Away, Mission Impossible 2. The average price for a gallon of gas, a buck fifty-six. That's changing, isn't it? <laughs> the St. Louis Rams, you remember those guys? I think they've headed back to L.A. now, but the St. Louis Rams won the Super Bowl. The Yankees, they uh, won the World Series. Most popular Christmas gifts, Sony PlayStation 2. Um, who Wants to Be a Millionaire board game? Do you guys remember that show? And Mary-Kate and Ashley Merchandise. Uh, top song was Faith Hill's Breathe. Other top uh, spots went to bands like Santana, Destiny's Child, Matchbox 20. You guys were born into quite a world. It's fun to look back into the past and to talk about old memories and experiences, but even more intriguing is to think about the future and to look ahead. You guys have a lot of decisions in front of you. And how, how are you going to make those decisions How are you going to figure out, is this the right way to go or is that the right way to go? I guess the the real question is, how are you going to face the future with courage, with the ability to say, I know the way that I need to go? Well, we're going to look in Proverbs 3 for some answers to these questions, familiar verses. The book of Proverbs was written primarily by King Solomon before his heart turned away from God. The Proverbs, of course, provide general truths that that are not absolute promises. In other words, in a fallen world, these general truths can have exceptions. This morning's message is going to focus particularly on our graduates, but the truths that we'll talk about will apply more broadly to to all of us. Let's look at Proverbs 3, verses 5 and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and do not rely on your own understanding. In all your ways, know Him, and He will will make your path straight. Well, this text teaches that you can face the future with courage when you hold fast to God. You can face the future with courage when you hold fast to God. Well, how do you hold fast to God? Let's look in verse 5. Here, Solomon, this father, is teaching his boy. And he says to his son, you've got to put your confidence in God. Now, he doesn't urge his son to follow the tradition of the family. He doesn't urge his son to to look into the cutting-edge philosophy of the day. No, he tells his son, you put your faith in God. You put your faith in the God of Israel. He's proven himself faithful to his people over and over and over again. And this father is saying to his boy, you can count on him. You can count on him. He he won't let you down. Proverbs 2.6 says, for the Lord gives wisdom. From his mouth comes knowledge and understanding. You see, the father teaches his son that this boy can hold fast to the words of God, the promises of God. God will keep his word in in his way and in his timing. But it's clear over and over in scripture, we see that God never, ever abandons his people. He never lets them down. 
Notice that this father urges the boy not just to trust God, but to do so with his whole heart. What does he mean? Well, what Solomon is saying to his son is, he's not saying, hey, God's your backup plan. He's saying to Solomon, God is the plan. Put your life in his hands. He's going to hold you. He's going to be your security. So from the first part of verse 5, how do you hold fast to God? Well, you put your confidence in him. Put your confidence in him. So if you want to face the future with courage, you need someone bigger than yourself. And that someone is God. He will not let you down. You guys remember when maybe you were a little kid and your parents warned you about strangers? You need to be careful about strangers. Maybe you can think back to your first grade year. You were six or seven years old. And if a stranger came to the school to pick you up, you would have been scared to death and you would have tried to have gotten away. But if dad or mom came to the school to pick you up, what would you have done? You would have ran to them with open arms. Why? Because you knew your daddy and you knew your mama cared about you. They were going to be looking out for you. What Solomon is saying to his son is that God is a father who's looking out for you. He's a father you can trust. He's a father that that loves you more than your earthly dad could ever love you. He's a father that loves you perfectly. We don't always understand the ways of God, and in his word, we're never promised that we will, but we are promised this, that if we belong to God, he holds us and he loves us. And his love is a perfect, undying love. So what does this look like in your lives? How do you put your confidence in God? Well, graduates, you say to to God, I want to put my life in your hands. I want to live the way you would have me live. You see, there's no safer, there's no smarter, there's no better place to be than in his hands and to put yourself completely in his hands. Now, the trust that Solomon described, he says you should trust in the Lord with all your heart. It anticipated a trust that that we should put in Christ. You see, nearly a thousand years after Solomon penned these words, God would send his very son. He would send the Lord Jesus to come to this earth, and Jesus would live a perfect life. And then eventually he would go to the cross. And why did Jesus go to the cross? He went to the cross Because of our sin, you see, God is completely holy, completely pure. But every one of us, we're we're sinners. We, We do things we shouldn't do. We say things we shouldn't say. We're guilty. And God, being so pure, he can't accept sinful hearts into heaven. He can't have a relationship with with sin. To do so would be to compromise his very character, his very nature. It would be like a policeman hanging around with a crook. You, You can't do that. And so God, in his love, instead of just rejecting all of us, he sent Jesus to die on a cross, and Jesus took the punishment that we deserve for him, for for our sin. He took it upon himself. And he was buried, and he came back to life, and he made a way for any person who would to come, to be saved. And that is the trust that we must have in God. If you want to hold fast to God, if you want to put your confidence in God, here's the starting place. You must turn to the Lord Jesus in faith. How do you do that? You call out to him. You say, God, I know I've gone my own way, but I want to turn away from that. And I believe in Jesus that he died and rose again. 
I want to follow him. And the Bible says that when you pray that kind of prayer and you mean it, the Bible says God saves you. That he'll never, ever, ever let you go. Want to talk about facing the future with courage? Well, when you know Jesus, you can. So to face the future with courage, you must hold fast to God. How do you hold fast? Well, let's look at the last part of verse 5 as we continue thinking about this together. He says not to rely on your own understanding. What's he saying? He's saying don't put your confidence in your own thinking and in your own reasoning. Instead, look at what God says. Look at what his word says. You see, a fool thinks he's wiser than God. The fool thinks he can go his own way and and do things the way that he wants. And then it'll all work out. But you see, our thinking can be clouded and our thinking can be confused and our thinking is limited. But God's word is certain and it's reliable. It isn't that the author of Proverbs here, it isn't that Solomon is saying we shouldn't use our minds. No, our minds are a gift from God. Reasoning is a gift from God. It's just that we can't come to the place where we think that that we are our own ultimate authority, where what we think and what we believe can trump what God says and what God thinks. No, we submit our thinking to the word of God. We submit our thinking to the counsel of God. Proverbs, Proverbs 14, 12 says this, there is a way that seems right to a person, but its end is the way of death. You see, there's a temptation to think that you're smarter than, than God. And graduates, I want you to know this. Everyone out in the world who doesn't believe in God is going to say that you believe in that? Seriously? Give me a break. I thought we'd progress past that kind of silliness. How, how, can, you, how can you say you're going to, you're going to put your faith in Jesus? Really? You see, there's a way that seems right, but the end thereof is death. Graduates, you cannot live life without God. You can, but the end is bad. It's always bad. That's the path that leads to heartache, to brokenness. And yes, Proverbs 14, 12 says death. So how do you hold fast to God? Well, first you put your confidence in him. And from the last part of verse five, we can say this, you don't rely on your own reasoning. You don't rely on your own reasoning. When I was in high school for a while during uh, one of the summers, I I worked helping roofers. That was a hot, yucky job. And and, uh, I was responsible for helping tear off old shingles, cleaning up trash, and carrying bundles of shingles up the ladder. And I carried a lot a lot of bundle of shingles up those ladders. I remember one particular day, I grabbed a bundle of shingles and I was fixing to step on that ladder, stepped on that ladder, and the ladder began to fall. And what happened is this, the ladder hadn't been firmly set. The base of that ladder hadn't been firmly set up. And so it was was inevitable that whoever got on it was going to fall. It just happened to be me. When we rely on our own thinking, sometimes it looks good. You know, I looked at that ladder and everything looked fine. I just kind of glanced at it. But when we rely on our own thinking and our own understanding, we may start up that ladder, but we're going to find that it never works. It just leads to a fall. Now, for a period of time, it may seem like it's going to work. Hey, man, I'm living my life my way. I'm doing what I want. I don't care what all that stuff. Man, I'm going my way. I'm going to do what I want to do. And you may make it a few steps up the ladder. Grads, I want you to know the ladder's coming down eventually. It's going to come 
crashing down eventually. You cannot live life apart from God. You can't do it. So don't fall into the trap of thinking that you can figure it all out. Don't fall into the trap of believing that, that you can do life your way, that you can do what you want. I know that's what everyone says, but it's a lie. It's a trap. Also, don't believe that in human insight and in human wisdom alone that, that you can get all the answers. You're going to be tempted to listen to friends, friends who say, hey, do this, do that. Or maybe you're going to go off to college and you're going to find that the immense knowledge of professors that you have is just so overwhelming. And, and everything that they say, you're going to be tempted to say, oh, man, I'm, I'm there. I believe it. Or maybe it's a boss who's going to give you this kind of advice or, or that kind of advice. And the insights that you gain from friends or boss, professors, whoever, coworkers, they may be helpful. It's a good chance they will be. But understand that if they aren't shaped by the wisdom that comes from God, Ultimately, it's just more leaning on flawed human knowledge. It's more climbing a ladder whose foundation is not steady. It's just not enough, even if it sounds really good. You see, you've got to anchor your life on something firm. You can't anchor your life in midair. What's a firm foundation upon which you can anchor your life? Grads, it's the Word of God. You can anchor your life there. So seek God's wisdom. Read his word. Read the Bible daily. Find life. Gain insight. Gain understanding. Let his word guide you step by step. So how else do you hold fast to God? Let's look in verse 6. Solomon says in verse 6, in all that you do, know him. Or to put it another way, in your words, in your thinking, in your actions, in your decisions, seek to please him. Seek to Seek to follow him in all that you do. Now listen, Solomon doesn't give his boy any wiggle room. He doesn't say, well, son, you know, you need to do this, but boys are going to be boys, so, you know, just kind of get back on track. He doesn't do anything like that. He says to his son, you got no wiggle room. He says to his boy, you do everything so that you might love God more, that you might know him more. In everything that you do, seek to know him. There's just no wiggle room there. We are called to seek to know God personally. In fact, the word that God uses for know here is a word that's used in the Bible often to describe a husband and wife's intimacy together. God wants us to know him, to love him, to to say to him, you, knowing you is the most important in my life. That's, That's what Solomon is saying to his boy. So how do you hold fast to God? Well, we saw first that you put your confidence in God. We saw second that you don't rely on your own thinking. And here from the first part of verse 6, seek to know God in all things. Seek to know him in all things. Now, fellas, do you remember when you were interested in a girl back in, in school, you would try to find ways to put yourself in her path? You know, like you would figure out which class she was going to be in, and you would just happen to kind of accidentally run into her or... You found out where her locker was, and you had a class over here, but you would take the scenic route to your class so that you would have to go by her locker. Well, in all kinds of situations, you would think to yourself, how can I put myself in her path? How can I make her notice me? How can maybe I connect with her? Well, just like you might do whatever you can to catch the attention of the girl of your dreams, what Solomon is saying to his boy here, is in everything that you do, seek to know God. Let that 
affect all the decisions that you make, the paths that you take. Ask yourself, is this going to help me know him more? Is this going to put me in the path of knowing God, loving him, following him? And what does this look like lived out in your lives? Well, make knowing Christ your greatest goal. Seek Jesus more than success. Seek Jesus more than money. Seek Jesus more than prestige. Seek him more than pleasure, more than houses and cars and all the other kinds of things that that we might be tempted to chase after. Desire to live a life that pleases him. And this commitment, graduates, this commitment will guide your decisions. If you desire to live a life that pleases him, this will help you make decisions, even decisions that are difficult and hard to make. A decision like this, hey, should I get wasted this weekend? Well, if your desire is to, is to please him, you know the answer. You don't, have to, you don't have to think about it. No, the answer is no. Or if you want to live a life that pleases him, hey, should I cheat on this test or on this paper? No, you want to live a life that pleases him. You don't have to think about that. It's easy. Should I date this girl? Should I date this fellow? Was well, this the kind of girl that God would want me to marry? Is this the kind of girl that God describes in his word that I should, that I should spend my life with? Yeah, she is. Date her? No, she's not. Wait, wait on him. You, you see, every decision that you make, this can guide you in, in these kinds of, of decisions. How else do you hold fast to God? Well, let's look in the last part of verse 6. This father tells his son, as you trust God and as you seek to know him, he is going to make your path straight. The word for straight here can mean smooth or successful. The picture is of uh, an an ancient road being built where obstacles are cleared away, where the low spots are filled in and the hills are are, are, uh, trimmed down, where straight paths are cut in the side of mountains. What what is Solomon saying to his son? If you'll hold fast to God, then God will make sure that your path is straight. He'll make sure that your path is smooth. In fact, Proverbs 12, 28 says this, there is life in the path of righteousness. In other words, God's going to help you to take the straight path as you seek to love him, a path that leads to a morally upright kind of life. And this kind of life leads to blessing and to joy, a life of integrity, a life that it's honorable. This is the way that God wants you to go. And God says, as you seek to trust him and honor him, he's going to help you walk that kind of path. He's going to help you have those kind of straight paths. It isn't that this path isn't going to include hardship. It's obviously going to include hardship. The Bible promises us that. It's that in the midst of the hardship, he's at work shaping things for you. He's at work clearing the way for you. He's at work shaping your own heart and life, using the difficult and the hard, even for your own good, to make you a stronger person, to make you a better person, to help you learn to trust him more. So even in the adversity, he's at work straightening your path for you. So how do you hold fast to God? Well, we saw first you put your confidence in him. Second, you don't rely on your own understanding. Third, you seek to know him in everything that you do. How else? Let's look in the last As we think about the last part of verse 6, you trust that he will guide your path. As you seek to know and trust him, you trust that he will guide your path. When you were younger, maybe your dad or your mom spent some time teaching you to uh, uh, hit a baseball or a softball. And your dad was, he was trying to help you be successful. He was trying to help you get up there and take that bat and knock that ball out of the park. He, he He was trying to help you. 
And this is what God is like. As we hold fast to him, he's at work in our lives. He, he's at work for our good. We, we don't always understand. Maybe your dad would say, hey, no, hold the bat this way or that way. And when you were younger, you're like, why? Why do I need to do that? But the reason is because he wanted to help you. And we don't understand all that God has. But the reality is this. If we trust God, if we hold fast to him, he's at work for our good. He's at work to bring about his good plans for our lives. You see, he will help you, graduates, progress along the plan that he has for you. If you seek him, if you follow him, so trust that he will guide your path, that he'll make your path straight. Now, life expectancy for a person born in the year 2000 is about 77 years. We obviously don't know how long any of us are going to live, but on average, you guys have about 60 years ahead of you. What are you going to do with those years? You know, the the decisions that you're going to make even over the course of the next five years are going to be life-altering. You're going to be making decisions like, what's my career going to be? What, what am I going to major in if I, if I go to college? Who should I marry? These are, these are big questions. And these are the kinds of issues that, that you're, you guys are going to have to answer. So how can you make good decisions, graduates, when it comes to these kinds of crucial questions? Well, you can make good decisions when you hold fast to God. When you trust that he'll guide your path. When you keep going back to his word for direction, for help. Yes, you can face the future courageously as you hold fast to him. So graduates, stay close to God. Stay close to him. Read his word every day. Grow in him. Stay in church. If you, if you move away and you go off to college, find a solid Bible-believing church. Do that in first order. Don't wait and say, well, one of these days I'm going to find a church to connect to. No, get there, visit a few churches, find a church that believes the word, preaches the word, and plug your life in there. Have Christian friends. Do what it takes to follow God. And you'll find, grads, that your feet are secure, that you're standing on firm ground, and you'll find that you can face the future with courage. With courage. Now, in a room this size, undoubtedly, there are folks here who do not know the Lord Jesus, who don't have a relationship with Him. This morning, If that's you, perhaps God is speaking to you. Perhaps he's saying to you, I'm calling you. I'm I'm saying to you, it's time for you to come. It's time for you to believe. It's time for you to begin a relationship with me. You see, when you turn from your sin and you call out to God, he saves you. And he saves you eternally. So that even in the face of death, we don't have to, to be fearful. Even in the face of death, we can have courage because of the hope that's found in Christ because of the promise of heaven. But the only way you can have that kind of courage to face death, to face the future, is if you have a relationship with Jesus, if there's been a time in your life when you've turned from your sin and you've called out to Jesus. So if that hasn't happened this morning, I want to invite you to do that. Uh, I'll be here at the front And I'd love to visit with you. In just a moment, we'll stand and sing. And if you have questions about that, I want to invite you to come. If if you have questions and and you want to visit after the service, I'll be around as well. Or you can find another mature Christian. Don't leave here today. And grads, I say this to you as well. Don't leave here today without making sure you're right with the Lord. You want to face the future with courage. You've got to be anchored in the Lord Jesus. Join me in prayer.